Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen, just without Carmen again today. I'm Paul, and well, here it is National Toast Day. It's it's, it's weird because here it is the 29th of February, which only happens every four years. So we only get National Toast Day every four years. Anyway, uh, 877-933-2484. What do you like on your toast? Uh, Vance from Duluth saying, well, he depends on, the, he has various breads he likes to use. He likes the Graintastics or Killer Dave's or Ezekiel 49 bread. And after toasting it, extra crunchy peanut butter and then plain yogurt, whole Greek whole milk yogurt, got to get the whole milk, and then unsweetened applesauce. That actually sounds really good, Vance. And then Jill, uh, she was saying, toast? Yeah, medium toasted with almond butter and either cherry choke jelly, or rather choke cherry jelly or honey. And the bread she prefers, cranberry walnut. I came across a recipe for cranberry, uh, cranberry wild rice bread, which is really good. And then we put almonds in it as well instead of, uh, they called for pine nuts. We put almonds in. We prefer that. Really good. And I save the crusts, dry them out, and then use them in stuffing later on. Ooh, so good. So good. Also today, well, today is Leap Day, February 29th, a date observed once every four years. Because, you know, we like to say it takes 365 days for the Earth to you know, uh, revolve, no, uh, yeah, revolve around the sun. It actually takes 365 days, five hours, and 48 minutes. And so to make sure we keep everything on track, every four years they add the leap day to try and make sure that our dates don't shift and we have eventually uh, summer in January. Or did we already have that this year? I don't know. It was pretty warm this year. But whatever it is, you know, the calendar is a human invention. But the thing is, the sun still rose today. It's the day the Lord has made. So make sure you rejoice and be glad in it. Okay, well, I saw this story at Scripps News about a dog, a spooked dog, who ran a mile to get to safety for, to her doggy daycare after she was involved in a minor car crash with her owner in a city just north of Detroit over the weekend. The three-year-old pit bull named Ares took off from the crash scene, leaping out of the car window and passing through multiple neighborhoods until she reached the daycare facility she frequently visits. The crash happened Saturday morning as Melissa Fickle, the dog's owner, was driving to a park in Clawson, Michigan, so she and uh, Aries could enjoy the nice weather. And they had the window open because Aries, a dog, likes to have, you know, the head out the window. Yeah, but as soon as there was a smack and as soon as I felt and heard it, almost instantaneously, Aries leaped out the window. Another car ran uh, Another car ran into Fickle's car. Thankfully, only minor damage to both vehicles. However, whatever happened was enough to spook Aries, so they, she took off. And Melissa, fearing the worst about Aries, uh, 
that would get run into uh, would run into traffic and possibly get hurt or go missing down the streets. But she had to stay at the crash scene to deal with the police and the exchanging insurance and all that stuff. Melissa said, I can't really think about it because so many things could have happened. But Aries was smarter than that. The pup ran a mile down the road to Houndstown, Houndstown Metro Detroit, which is a doggy daycare center that she frequents. She was really scared off, I guess, but the owner, Travis of uh, the Houndstown Metro Detroit, said as soon as I I was walking in front there, I saw the dog. Yep, that's Aries. They know it. So they brought Aries in, took care of her, and gave a call to Melissa, and, and yeah, they were safely, safely reunited, which is good news. And it makes sense. You know, Aries was scared, so when, when you're scared, what do you do? You go to the place you know you'll be safe and cared for. So are you someone that is that? When somebody's scared or needing help, are you one they can call? Someone they can run to when they're afraid or in trouble? Or just need help? Are you known as a person that people can go to for a helpful hand and a caring heart? I want to talk about that here on Mornings with Carmen in a way. I mean, think about kids who, for whatever reason, end up in the foster care system. They're scared. And oftentimes, where do they run to? Where? Where's a safe place for them? Well, next here on Mornings with Carmen, we'll be talking with Ryan Centers. He and his wife, Sarah, purpose not to only be a safe place for foster kids themselves, but they started a movement in their community to help foster kids find those loving, safe spaces. Again, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen. This is Faith Radio. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Yeah, the words of Jesus, right? Hey, I'm Paul, filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. I think that would probably be on the heart of Ryan Centers, too, who joins us now. He and his wife, Sarah, founding the organization Ohana, a special, or rather a leading social service agency that provides both residential and support services for foster youth and adults with special needs throughout the state of Arizona. Hey, Ryan, thanks for joining us this morning on Faith Radio. Yeah, good morning, Paul. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. Okay, this first starts with you and Jesus, doesn't it? And you, Jesus, and your wife. I mean, talk about your your faith. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up uh, with a, a single mom and for uh, most of my life and was just trying to figure out um, kind of my place and kind of stumbled into um, a university actually in college and um, never turned back after that. I um, had a friend invite me and it honestly changed my life and I really surrendered my life to the Lord. And I knew that that's how I wanted to, I was trying to figure out life in all different directions and searching for my own ways and what success and all of that looked like and knew I couldn't do it. And when I surrendered my life to the Lord, it was really um, the moment that I knew I had a significance and purpose of what I wanted to, to commit my life to and um yeah i never looked back mm. and i remember go ahead and i remember when i was in uh college i um was living up in um a small town and got involved with a a single a shelter for kids who who were really at risk and homeless and just got out of jail or juvenile detention and just these hard difficult kids just fell in love with them that they needed to be seen and heard and 
I've like, all right, this is how I want to um, commit my life. Mm. Okay, and then then your wife Sarah enters into this too. Now talk about her background because I mean, you can have all these wonderful, great ideas about these things, but uh, sure, yeah. Explain how she comes in this. Where did her her heart uh, get formed in this area? Yeah, yeah. So my um, Sarah and I met about seventeen years ago. Uh, or no, we've been married about 17 years. We, we met about 19 years ago in college and we, uh, she was, um, raised in a Christian family and was always kind of on that, um, straight and narrow and really had a, a good relationship with the Lord and was really kind of a help catalyst to help guide me to, um, getting me involved in small groups in church and, um, my deeper relationship with the Lord. And when we got married, we both had a, we met actually working with kids in the foster, uh, working with kids in a, in a, in local schools. And we really wanted, we both knew we wanted to work with kids and both actually wanted to be foster parents, which sounded kind of strange. And uh, after we were married, um, we actually, after we had our first daughter, um, our biological daughter, when she was one years old, we actually um, started to become foster parents. And We've actually fostered in over uh, about 15 kids. We have wow. actually 11 kids. We have 11 kids in our home um, that we have now. And just recently, we adopted um, a sibling group of five kids that are actually li- we're living in one of our group homes oh, wow. um, that we have and started. So our life has turned upside down. We have a two-year-old now and two-year-old, two-year-old to 14-year-old. We got nine kids in our home. And it's a it's a whirlwind, but we love it. <laughs> it sounds like it. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, the whirlwind you've been in. I mean, that taking the step to become a foster parent. A lot of people are kind of, oh, it's such a great idea. Me do it. Yeah. Uh, what was it like when you first started doing this? Yeah, I think you don't know what you don't know. Um, we both had a like a desire to to help um, kids and give them like a safe and loving home. We knew that, like for me, I didn't have um like a dad and a dad in my life or a present um kind of adult male figure and i knew that was something that was a void and really wanted to be able to provide that for um other kids and so when we actually stepped into this journey we had a couple sibling groups and we were young at first and kind of young and inexperienced and young and dumb i would honestly say and we <laughs> okay. uh, we just uh, yeah we were really audacious we're the ones that will just jump before we kind of have planned through everything but um, one of the coolest moments is that we had our son who was his name is gavin now he came into our home at eight months old and his um, biological mom he was they were in and out of homelessness Mm. and drugs and he was just he came out of the out of uh out of the hospital with a head injury but as we got to know the mom um, we knew that she just had a lot of life and hardships in her her life, and she just couldn't care for Gavin. And at his one year v- birthday, what was so amazing for us is that he she asked um, us to adopt him. And she says, "What's the craziest thing was his name? Are we knew that our son? If we ever had a son, we were going to name him Gavin, mm. and his 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 middle name was going to be Thomas." just like mine. But when he came into our family, his first name was already Gavin and his last name was Thomas. Oh yeah. So it was just kind of a, (laughs) and, and now he's a 12 year old boy and just, uh, he loves life. He's a spitfire. He's, uh, he's about to go snowboarding this afternoon with us and he's going to, he'll rip it down the, down the slopes really well. So (laughs) 
<laughs> We're talking with Ryan Centers. Uh, he, okay, you're in Arizona. You just said going. Are you're, you're not in Arizona right now, or? Um, yeah, we are in Arizona. What we are, we're up at Flagstaff, seven thousand uh, feet up yeah, in the mountains yeah, today. Okay. Just okay. today, just to get. Yeah. Oh well, it's good to have you. Of course, with this, I mean, you're doing this yourself. But let's start talking about this organization you helped put together, Ohana, Arizona, Ohana, yes. and yep. it, it's there to help out kids in foster care and then even looking toward adults. Yeah. Okay. So what we, led you to start that? Yeah. My wife and I, we, we had at that point had f- five kids or six kids in our own home and our life was full. And we said we couldn't do any more kids in our own life, but still feel really called to the work and feel called to, to helping kids. So we just, and I, we have always been pretty entrepreneurial and wanted to also form a nonprofit. So we, we, Ended up starting a uh, working through the process and starting a group home for kids um, in the foster care system, and that was back in 2015. And we wanted to create a home where kids could just be, no matter their circumstances, that they could be part of Ohana. Ohana means family, and no longer how how long they're with us, they can always be feel like a sense of family with us. <laughs> so we took them on vacation. We would take them on vacations, love seeing, they would see the snow for the first time or go to the ocean. And um, I remember going to the boys football games back in 2016 and a kid who's never played sports before has a, has 12 people cheering him on in the stands and that <laughs> these kids just to be able to be kids. So yeah. now Ohana, like fast forward, we have actually, um, we've grown tremendously. The state has asked us to continue to provide homes. We have about 40 homes in the state of Arizona and provide counseling and care for over um 500 foster kids a year yeah and uh yeah and then we've actually one of our biggest calls is to help kids who are older in the foster care system we know that's a huge gap so we know 50 percent of foster kids um end up if they don't have a family they end up becoming homeless or Mm, um, being going at risk of being homeless yeah they yeah. So, okay, I want to back up a little bit because, again, you, you mentioned you had a bit of an entre- entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, yeah. starting Ohana was kind of a leap of faith for you, including, what, $20,000 cash advance on your credit card? <laughs> yes, that's absolutely true. I, probably not the wisest move as we're big <laughs> Dave Ramsey people, but we were deep in <laughs> we were deep in with, uh, with this and just, uh, yeah – a cash advance on a credit card, a big prayer, and uh, we we just made it happen. I remember the 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 first van that we had for the kids was got it for four thousand dollars. I thought it was good enough, and that would not suffice today. Uh, but you know what? The Lord was faithful, and um, those kids. I can remember every one of those kids' names and every in their lives, and um, those those beginning moments were probably one of the highlight of of our lives. <laughs> Again, we're talking with uh, Ryan Centers, and he is part of Ohana Kids. It's, a again, a, a social service agency, a nonprofit social service agency that provides residential and support services for foster youth and adults with special needs throughout the state of Arizona. When we continue our conversation, okay, we'll talk a little bit more about the kids, but as Ryan mentioned, what happens when these kids age out of the system and many end up homeless? A lot of them have special needs as well who's there to help them well ryan will share the story about uh, another organization he's part of which is uh ha- is it hanai coffee yep hanai coffee hanai coffee we'll why talk- and word for adoption 
Oh, there you go. Well, we'll talk about that in a few moments. Again, this I'm Paul filling in for Carmen on Faith Radio. How are you preparing for the reality of Jesus's last days, his passion, Holy Week, the Last Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas's betrayal, Peter's denials, Jesus being stripped and humiliated by soldiers and falsely accused by the Jews and subjected to mock trials and ultimately crucified? How are you planning to give those events in Jesus's life the attention they deserve? That's what the season of Lent is all about. The 40 days prior to Easter are set aside to prepare ourselves to face the reality of the cross and, yes, ultimately to celebrate the reality of the empty tomb. I invite you to join us in reading through the Bible together during Lent. The study will provide a way for you to intentionally engage each day with the Word of God. You can sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com as we read through the Bible together this Lent. Living in ways that offer redemption. Children in broken situations, fostering them, even adopting them, and bringing wholeness to their lives. That's what Ryan Centers and his wife have been doing themselves personally, and then also helping to foster in their home state of Arizona with uh, Ohana Kids, which is, a, again, a, a, a social service agency providing residential and support services for foster youth and adults with special needs in their home state. Ryan, thanks again for joining us. And again, as we... You've impacted a lot of lives. You, you started something that was just your family, and you grew it out and brought other people in in wonderful ways. Uh, tell us some of those other stories of, of some of these kids who have been impacted. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, over the last uh, like eight years, we've probably we've provided housing and support service for over five hundred kids, but every kid has a name. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, as I look at like um, one of the kids that really has honestly changed my life, his. His name was Gio. He uh, came into one. He had special needs. He had autism. Um, and he uh, came into our home. His Actually, his adopted parents just dropped him off at the hospital, never picked him up. And just full of, like, um, grief and trauma, he comes into one of our houses at Ohana, and he just is um, so confused. He just wants to go home, but no one's there to pick him up. And he has this. He had a, a cat that was part of his, like it was part of his life, so, and he, he was just crying and remember like, mm. "Hey, I want where's my cat? Where's my cat? Where's Papa? Where's Papa?" And I remember just so vividly um, this kid who who has autism who can't really express himself mm. would just be so frustrated and go running down the street, um, and I'd have to just wrap him up to help him his sensory overload. Um, but then as time has went on over the last years, like I've watched this young man turn into this brave young boy, mm. like brave young man. And he um, now is, uh, he DJs for us at, we do um, like a prom for foster kids and he's our <laughs> DJ and he just loves it. And he, but don't, don't tell him to pick up you can't request the songs. He's already predefined the songs, oh, so oh, don't oh, ask oh, him oh. to change the song. <laughs> well, you know, he, he's a radio professional. He has his playlist. He knows what he's doing. So, okay, I get it. I get yes, it. Yes, exactly. And, uh, yeah, and then I remember when we opened up one of our new houses, um, I asked if he wanted to come over and do a pr- um, pray for it. And he said the most beautiful prayer. He went over each room and just prayed over each room. because he mm. And he would just say, like, I want this place to be a home like I have a home. And... 
this these kids these these kids are our family, you know, and watching them have hope and dignity. And now he's working. Um, he's been part of our work program through Hanaya, our restaurant, and mm. uh, does an amazing he does an amazing job. A crazy, and now he's talking to me about having a girlfriend and this girl he likes. <laughs> I'm like, all right, buddy, next stage, you know. So. Okay, Ryan, you just introduced the uh, Hanai coffee uh, yeah. just a moment ago. Because, okay, a lot of these kids, as we talked before, who are in the foster care system and actually don't get adopted or or such, they age out. And yep. as, as with uh, Gio, that was his name, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, worst comes to worst, he would have, if it wasn't for the intervention that you provided him, um, and and the love that happened through uh, your organization there, that, that uh, Oana, that he would have probably fallen through the cracks and gone out the back door, as it were, been homeless. But right. you guys acted so wonderfully redemptive. And then you're seeing these other people who, again, as they're aging out, is there anybody who can help them? And that's what brought about Hanai Coffee. Yes, oh. exactly. Yeah, so we, um, my wife and I were, we knew that uh, kids needed some skills. So these right. kids who age out of the foster care system, they may not have any parents or support system, but they need to learn these basic skills to work to be able to be self sufficient and be on their own. So, and, but kids in maybe in the work context don't, aren't trauma informed, don't understand the barriers that these kids have. So right. we want to create a business that we can employ these kids and, um, train them up, and my goal someday is that they become the managers. They be, they open up their own Hanai that we help them. So we opened up a coffee shop, and we have we take in about five kids at a time. Uh, we do a work readiness program and get them prepared for work, um, interview them, and then they can end up become full time baristas. Uh, we have a guy who works on our full time as our maintenance um, guy, um, as an eighteen year old kid, and does an amazing job. And some of the best coffee in town is brewed by kids in the foster care system. And the best mm. part is the 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 community knows that this is the mission, but they uh, they just know that it's a good cup of coffee, and they know it's because and it's it's brewed with a purpose, honestly. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ryan. Uh, Ryan Centers, by the way, joining us again. Uh, Hanai Coffee, which is down in Levine, Arizona, kind of a again. You're entrepreneurial, Ryan, so much, and and you're you're trying to use, you know, well, how do I put this? I mean, you, in, you're using the this private sector business for a kingdom good. You you put together Ohio Ohana to help kids yep. in the foster care system. I mean. Okay, most of us just kind of have a day-to-day job. It, it, you, yeah. you, you built us around the idea of redemptiveness and a redemption. Uh, talk, us about, talk to us about that, living out our, your faith in this demonstrable way, a redemptive way that really is impacting lives. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the redemption, and when I think about my mission and call in my life and the purpose I have is like to redeem— you know, the, the, the phrase I always have is been ingrained in my brain is that I redeem kids' stories— so every story deserves to be redeemed, and ha- and a kid's story is not defined by their past, but they have the ability um, to change it through Jesus. And um, the most beautiful thing is like when you're just authentic and just love a kid and show up, and you just provide that those daily moments with the kids. It, it's not something that is, um, it's not always the most sexy or the most beautiful. Like it's not everything out in 
public that everyone it's like the 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 everyday showing up being there for um a kid or the staff that were there that employing and supporting that's what changes these these people's lives and i i just i've watched um i've had opportunities to do bad like baptize so many different kids and watching them we had 200 kids come to winter camp and and hear about jesus and give their lives and like that's at the end of the day that's like what we're here for and they, these kids need hope and they um it's my job just to kind of help steward the, steward the life that i have to help other people have that sense of hope as well all i can say is ryan mayor yeah. tribe increase if people wanted to get a hold of you uh to learn more about what, how you're doing sure. things maybe they want to try and mm-hmm. you know implement something similar in their community yeah. in their state uh, probably the o- ohana website which is yeah yeah so uh, probably two, two of the best ways is um I have a, a podcast that talks about foster oh. care and social entrepreneurship and living out your faith. It's called Unleash Your Purpose. Oh, so Unleash Your Purpose. It's um, so you can find me at, at my or just Google my name RyanCenters.com, and then have you can get a hold of me there. Um, and then if you want to get involved with Ohana specifically, you can look up Ohana O H A N A A Z Ohana Arizona dot org. Hmm. And then, do you uh, ship coffee by chance? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? For 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 our listeners today, absolutely will. <laughs> anyway, Ryan, thanks uh, for joining us. And by the way, Centers is spelled S E N T E R S. So sent yes, as you, thank you. And you were it kind of works out because God sent you into this, and oh, you're living beautiful. it out. There you go. There you go. Hey, thanks that's for free. that. I didn't put that together. I'll take it this morning. <laughs> That's free, no problem. So anyway, Ryan, again, thanks for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, have a good day. God bless. <laughs> Blessings. Helping you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. That's where we're about, so you can live out your faith in in wonderful ways. Actually, some uh, interesting news about, okay, I mentioned this a few days ago, uh, Delta Airlines, they are putting up a flight um, to follow on April 8th, the track of the uh, of the solar eclipse that's happening. So you'd stay in the dark zone at 30,000 feet. Kind of cool, right? Well, the plane filled up. And so they got a bigger plane. They're going to have a second flight. So if you want to <laughs> take a flight and, at 30,000 feet and enjoy a solar eclipse on an elongated basis, there you go. Also kind of interesting in the news. Okay, it's amazing when you see some things like in sci-fi movies that become reality. Like, say, Tony Stark uh, having a computer tablet that with a transparent screen. Well... At the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, Spain, computer maker Lenovo unveiled an industry-first laptop with a transparent screen. The ThinkBook transparent display laptop concept, also referred to as Project Crystal, it's the industry's first laptop with a 17.3-inch micro-LED transparent screen. A see-through display. Sounds cool, right? Did you know that's your calling? At work today, when people see you, do they see through you how you work, how you interact? Can they see through you to God's love and God's ways? I know you're, maybe your job is just serving customers, cleaning floors, making widgets, but you're part of something bigger. Do you see it? Ross Chapman from the Denver Institute will join us next here on Mornings with Carmen to talk about faith work. 
in, in the daily grind with God and with others. That's next here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Well, again, good morning. Thanks for listening to Mornings Without Carmen. I'm Paul. She'll be back in on Monday. So what are you doing right now? Making your way to work? So what's your vision for the day? And maybe it's, well, uh, it's, it's Thursday. Uh, I got a couple more days of work this week than the weekend's here. You know, everybody's working for the weekend. Uh, what about what you're going to do over the next, what, eight hours? Do you see a kingdom impact internal purpose to it. Joining me now, Ross Chapman. He is a member of the Denver Institute. Getting up early this morning in Denver, another person in the mountain time zone. Thank you for joining us this morning, Ross, on uh, Mornings with Carmen. Well, it's great to be with you and uh, a joy to wake up early and enjoy the quiet morning hours. There you go. And then talking about something that's pa- you're passionate about, work. And in this case, faithful work in the daily grind with God and with others. Ross, as we start out our conversation, I want to tell this story because I heard this some time ago, and I want your response to it because there was this ministry event happening, and one of the volunteers helping out was a somewhat high-level business exec, and before the event, he was putting out flyers and other literature on the chairs for the attendees when they get there, kind of a, you know, low-level task. And at first look, that looked like a very humble thing for an executive to do. And someone else said, even thought the same. It's like, that's below you. So they said, hey, tell you what, how about we do this? Um, And he said, no, 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 no. He wanted wanted to do it because, you know, my regular job is just secular work. At least here I'm doing something for Jesus. When you hear that, what triggers in your mind? Oh, so many things, Paul. Um, you know, it's a good, it's a good story. I think it happens a lot um, in our church world, and uh, we should we should be willing to do any kind of job, no matter what right. our work role is, and to do it with with a, a sense of service. And often we're we're challenged to do that at church or church led ministries or nonprofit work, where we come and volunteer. And you know, in church, it's kind of like that's the family business, that's the family meeting and gathering, and everybody chips in, just just like in your own home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so d- be willing to do whatever, but, um, I would also say, uh, this, this person in your example, this executive is, is, is maybe missing out on a, a huge opportunity to see how he is spending the majority of his hours, um, as really something God's called him to do and is his primary and greatest opportunity to do ministry. And I, I would say, you know, there's, there's a broad term uh, for ministry in the New Testament. Um, we have kind of narrowed it down sometimes in our mind to uh, sharing my faith or, um, you know, doing something spiritual, some kind of spiritual activity. Uh, but ministry in the New Testament just means service. It means to serve. And so that's that's why the book's called Faithful Work. It's about being uh, with God. You're doing it with God, not for him, um, but you're doing it on behalf of others. Um, you're serving them in that way. And so really, since we're spending all of this time at work, um, we need to uh, reconcile and, and think about, you know, what, does, what is God doing there in our, in our lives? Is he, is he wanting us to think of that more, uh, you might say, strategically for the work he's doing in the world? Mm-hmm. Well, let, that brings up another question, because oftentimes we have, as you just pointed out, this sacred, if you, I can use the term, sacred-secular divide. There's the yeah. churchy, the ministry things, and there's just the 
you know, normal everyday stuff. Where did this view, it's actually pretty modern, but where did this view come from? Yeah, it's um, it's that's a great question. Um, I, I actually think we could go back uh, much further um, in church history and world history and, and look at um, even Greek philosophy. You kind of had the idea of a du- dualism. Mm. And so there was the the really the wise things, the knowledgeable things. And then there was the kind of the physical world um, that was suspect, you know, it's almost like a Gnostic idea. Um, and so we had this um, many centuries of recognizing there's this like spiritual work that's good, but then there's this physical work that maybe seems less than. Uh, but if you just go back to Genesis, um, God made everything. Actually, the first thing he told us about himself is that he's a worker. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God worked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his self-disclosure, right? And so then he goes about creating and he calls it really good. Um, he see it, he says everything he's made is is good, and he kind of appoints human beings to to then work alongside him uh, to complete that project of creation. And you see uh, God kind of creating, then you see Jesus coming down uh, from heaven, and then at the end of the story, you see heaven coming down to earth. Um, there is um, this sense in some Christian circles that this world's just going to burn and mm-hmm. we should just ignore it. And we only need to do the spiritual stuff. In fact, right. let's, let's focus all of our energy on conversion uh, because that's the most important thing. And of course, people accepting Jesus as their Lord and savior is, is central to mm-hmm. the, the message, but God's doing this, uh, this huge work where he's reconciling all things to himself. And he's going to uh, collide heaven and earth. Ephesians 1.10 says this is kind of the goal he's going after. And um, if you have that mentality, you can't uh, you can't really have a sacred secular divide. Right. Uh, because God says all of it is good. All of it is his. All of he's redeeming all of it, all of creation. Mm. And so there's, you know, passages throughout scripture that talk about creation groaning and and what is God going to do in creation when when he finally comes to restore everything and make it as he intended. Right. Um, and he was to involve us in that. And one of the primary ways we get to do that is the way that we work, uh, the job that we get to do. Yeah. And even if it doesn't feel like this is my dream job, this is, this is what I was made for. It's still the place where God has you right now uh, because he has that much intention. And so looking for those opportunities to say, you know, how can I join with God with what he's doing right here in my workplace uh, with the kind of products we make, the policies that we have, the way that we treat coworkers, um, the way that I think about how work is shaping me. There's so many ways you can go in this conversation yeah. about oh, work. Without question, without question. Again, we're talking Ross Cha- with, with Ross Chapman from the Denver Institute and about the uh, his latest book, Faithful Work. And Okay, there was a time, I mean, I won't say it was perfect back before, say, like, you know, 1800, but in, in, in the Middle Ages, there was a sense that, okay, we're part of something enchanted, but we lost that enchantment to a large degree since about 1800. But invite us into that enchanted idea. Yeah, so that would have been the idea that um, there's this kind of, spiritual connection to the physical world that we um, as human beings just kind of naturally recognize. And and that was more of a a regular way of thinking. There wasn't really a big distinction between sacred and secular. Um, But really with, 
industrialization, uh, the enlightenment, kind of a focus on um, work, just producing things and this mm -hmm. idea of, of just progress. And that's all that matters. Um, we kind of distanced uh, the spiritual and the, the secular, this, this divide kind of broadened. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to think about um, what it would have been like, but really we live in a society that, that celebrates this duality. Um, it celebrates yeah. the idea that your faith should be private. Don't mm -hmm. bring it to work. Um, don't bring it out into the public square. Um, that's fine for your life, your individual life, but but that's not really God's perspective. Um, he, uh, his, Jesus's ministry was very public. And in fact, yeah. um, the majority of his parables and his, uh, the settings for where he taught, most of them were about the workplace or in the workplace. Sure. Um, so he was, he was a person that was very public and, and thought the things that he was teaching, uh, should play out in everyday life. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, work is where everyday life happens in a significant way. It is, it is. Well, as we continue in just a few moments talking with Ross Chapman, again, author of Faith, uh, co-author, I should say that, uh, Ryan, uh, what, how do you pronounce his last name? Yeah, Dr. Ryan Tafalowski is a Tafalowski. professor at Denver Seminary. Yep. Yes, well, you two worked on this one, uh, Faithful Work in the Daily Grind with God and for others. And we'll continue our conversation and hopefully try and help you through the Bible dissolve this false, sacred, secular divide in your mind and help you find ways to reintegrate your faith with your work. Again, this is Faith Radio. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up. They come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Doing our secular jobs in a spiritual way is a deeply Christian way of being in the world. I got that line from the book we're talking about right now, Faithful Work. And Ross Chapman, one of the authors, is uh, with us now here on Faith Radio. Again, Ross, thank you for joining us. Um, as you were talking about Jesus and, you know, he worked in the world, his parables were in the world and he lived in the world. He, you know, we, when you think about the miracles, a lot of people get caught up in, ooh, miracle. But when we, which is true, we should. <laughs> but when you yes. look at him, what is he doing? He's redeeming, he's restoring what was broken when he does these miracles. And then ultimately, through his work on the cross, redeeming us to restore us through the power of the Spirit. 
how do we bring that to work? I mean, how do we scripturally how do we how we how do we dissolve this false sacred secular divide and be redemptive at work? Well, what a great question. Um, I really think we have to start with the recognition that sometimes our idea of the good news that Jesus preached is maybe just a little too narrow or too small. Um, Jesus said that he came uh, to to bring the kingdom near, yeah. and that the kingdom of God was near, and that he was going to restore all things. And sometimes we get stuck on simply individuals being saved uh, by grace through faith, which is central to the not the arguing whole that idea, right? But there's so much more um, that includes the redemption of all things, and so he, he we get to actually join him in that redemptive work. We can share our faith um, with others at work appropriately. You know, uh, Peter says we should always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. Uh, it assumes a question. It assumes somebody wants to know. And so mm-hmm. actually the way that you're working, uh, you can think of it as, um, you know, Tim Keller would call it a ministry of competence. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing your work really well and with excellence and you're doing it uh, for the Lord, with the Lord and to his honor and glory, uh, people should take notice. Like, why are you such a good worker around here? Um, you seem to care about it more. It kind of gives you a chance to do that. So you get a chance um, to really think about five ways that we could um, think about this redemption at work. How do okay. we participate with God in that? Okay. Well, uh, the first one is yeah. is kind of yeah, that idea of just being able to so thoughtfully, appropriate sharing good news at work as you get the chance. Um, the second one would be to think about how God is redeeming your own life through your work. Um, the workplace is where we spend 90,000 hours of our lives. Yeah. It is a primary uh, discipleship or formation shaping arena in our lives. And so we need to, we need to see how is the workplace um, shaping us towards anxiety, idols of our heart, or how can we be intentional in making sure it's not doing those things? How is God using it to redeem us? Uh, a third one would be redemption with one another. Like there's relationships that we have. We can, make peace in the workplace. We can love people who compete with us. Um, you know, we might, you know, treat our coworkers totally differently out of a, a love for them. Uh, that's not normal in the workplace today. Hmm. And then I think a fourth one uh, is real interesting, which is sort of how sometimes our work can really have an opportunity to make wrong systems and structures or broken ones a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So you can think of uh, compensation practices, policies that affect maybe a city's affordable housing crisis, harmful payday lending practices, maybe implicit bias in hiring. Um, maybe there's you know certain employees that get benefits that others don't that just isn't fair. So there's these structures and systems that we live in. And I would say most of them generally are well-intentioned, but all of them have consequences maybe that people don't expect. And so Christians uh, kind of in all of these different workplaces around the city, around our country, um, you know, they got a chance to really address those in a unique way. And then the last one is sort of redemption of the created world. Mm. Um, How is your work connected to the earth and God's creation? And are you thoughtfully thinking of how is our company using the natural resources? How is it um, kind of connected to uh, what God has made? And are we um, are we helping our company be a good steward of it or, or, or is our company more abusive toward it? Might be a good question to ask. So there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Those are really ideas that need to be worked out in your individual workplace and asking some of those questions, but we're trying to, um, 
move the conversation beyond, you know, my work is only valuable if I get to share my faith, if I can lead a Bible study at work. Um, the actual work you do um, can can be one of your most exciting opportunities to participate in God's redemptive work. Again, we're talking with Ross Chapman from the Denver Institute and about the latest book, Faithful Work. And, okay, we got a few minutes here, and I'm hoping we can— I want you to comment about the subtitle of the book, In the Daily Grind, With God, and For Others. Because oftentimes, we have this attitude, okay, yeah, I'm going in to do missions. I'm doing this. Okay, I'm trying to do, you know, good, being a good employee or a good boss or whatever for God with these people. You're flipping this. And that's not insignificant. I want you to address this. Yeah, I, well, I think the first one is with God, is a recognition that we are in union with Christ. If we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have faith in Him, we are, we're in union with Him. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a word that Scripture uses maybe even more than being in relationship with God. Uh, and so this, this idea that we're doing it with God reminds us that God is in this with us, and He is the active agent, and we are coming alongside what He wants to do there. In a, in a way that we can be faithful that honors him. He actually doesn't need us to do anything for him. He's God, <laughs> um, but he invites us into it. And so this is a, a way to remember that by just thinking, I'm not doing this for God. I'm doing this with God. And for others, um, points it more towards the mission of Christ. Uh, he said that he came to give uh, his life for the life of the world. You know, it's he, he it's in a, a giving out of himself that he did. So the way that he lived his life, the way that he died on the cross, all of that was for the benefit of those he loved. And so our invitation then is to be in the daily grind, the, the actual hard stuff at work, the, the spreadsheets, the customers, all the challenges to remind yourself, I'm with God. God is with me and I'm doing this for the benefit of others that they might experience just a little bit more life as God had intended it to be, life to the full. And even when the setbacks happen, because they do, you know, you work they really do. hard. You work really hard on something, and, you know, maybe you're— may, I, I've done this because I, I did some part-time work at, at a big box store, and you get a nice display up, and then somebody bunch, bumps it, and it's all over, and it's like, ah. But even something like it, making sure a display looks nice— Showing the order, showing beauty. That's, yes. that's a way of showing the gospel. Hey, real quickly, Ross, before we go, can you uh, tell us a little bit about the Denver Institute? We have like about a minute here, but uh, what is the Denver Institute all about? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, Denver Institute for Faith and Work, um, denverinstitute.org, if you want to learn more. Our goal is to prepare people to serve God and others in their daily work so that workplaces and cities are transformed. We believe that every person's work should bring hope and life to their community, to their city, to their workplace. And so we have uh, resources, a podcast. Uh, we do events here locally. We have a national um, initiative called Women Work and Calling. Um, and so there's a bunch of things that we're doing that really try to help people wrestle with these questions that we've been talking about today. Mm. Well, Ross, thanks again for joining us. Again, the book is called Faithful Work in the Daily Grind with God and for others. Thanks for spending time with us this morning here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much. Great to be with you. It's been great. Thanks a lot. Well, again, Mornings with Carmen here to help you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. And one of the things we were kind of talking and hinting around there is, again, 
we're in union with God. Actually, we are made in God's image. We are his. And, okay, next week, March 8th and 9th, is the Set Apart Women's Conference coming up, the Set Apart Conference for Women. Some, if you need that encouragement to know a bit more about your being in the image of God, either in person at the University of Northwestern St. Paul in the Twin Cities or online. There's online options as well. If you'd like to learn more, go to this special website, setapartconference.com. Again, setapartconference.com. Enjoy great speakers like Lisa Harper and Crystal Evans-Hurst. Again, uh, setapartconference.com. Well, I'm Paul. It's been great filling in again today on this Leap Day. Thank you for uh, joining us for that. And, uh, Yeah, as you're heading off to work, take that leap of faith and be a loving witness through your deeds, through your posture, your attitude of something greater, about the kingdom. Be there for that. Maybe you want to share these conversations with a friend. Remember, you can find them all at MyFaithRadio.com on the Faith Radio app. And, of course, there is the podcast who you can find at Spotify and, you know, Apple Podcasts and all that. It's up there. It's up there. And when uh, when you listen... Make sure you rate Mornings with Carmen, too. Thanks again. We'll see you tomorrow here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.